So I think the first thing I'll talk about tonight is a little bit about my day. Um, so I was just in a middle school in Woburn, two middle schools in Woburn, actually. I've been going there a couple times a month for the last year, and today was my last day. So I've gone into many classes of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders and led them in meditation and talked to them and really just try to connect and listen and see where they're at and kind of give them wisdom. And every, every class is very different where it goes and what I end up telling them and what we end up doing. Sometimes it's like more like playing games. Sometimes it's more getting really deep into a theme or a topic. So it's always kind of very varied about how it works. Today, the sixth grade class was taking MCAS tests. So they have the standardized testing that they take throughout their school careers. And they're all very stressed out about this and it's really a big deal for them. And I got to see two classes right after they had finished taking the tests. They were kind of really high strung, really wired, a combination of like really exhausted, really just finished with the world, just didn't want anything else. But at the same time, super restless and uh, kind of jumping up and couldn't control themselves. So it was kind of this you know, mixture between these two things. And I started talking to them about you know, MCAS and what, what's it about and why is it so stressful for you guys. And they came to a conclusion themselves through just me questioning about things they were asking that they're afraid of disappointing their parents, that they're afraid of getting a bad grade and that grade goes home and then the parents get mad at them. So this fear of punishment is kind of what causes the stress and I, you know, gave them a, a long talk about uh, how school is not the end of life and how failing on a test like MCAS, especially MCAS doesn't count for anything when you're in middle school. It doesn't even matter. Um, just that, that it's okay that you kind of, you're at where you're at. And I, you know, I gave them a lot of different impulses about this and also followed up by saying, you know, if your parents are disappointed, that's their problem, not yours that you shouldn't be taking on that burden of trying to please your parents, that if they're angry, that's their anger, not yours. That you guys are loved no matter what you do. And of course, you try your best because that's what you want, but if they're angry, that's theirs, and don't feel you know, that you have to always be running after that. And I said especially to them, and by the way, don't you guys disappoint your parents a lot? And they all just started laughing, and they're like, yeah, and they started just sharing stories about these things they've done. You know. And I said, right, you know, you disappoint your parents all the time, so what is it exactly that you're afraid of? That's nothing new. Parents get angry, that's what parents do, right? So the more that I kind of talked about this and looked at this, and especially MCAS testing, I've heard about it. And it's, you know, getting younger and younger that even I've heard that kindergartners, right, are getting stressed about that they're gonna have to take MCAS in a couple years. No, kindergartners are stressed about a test that they have to take in a few years. And during my break, I went to a Panera Bread, and I was sitting there. And same thing, I kind of looked around, and a lot of laptops, a lot of phones out, right, we were talking about, that a lot of people were kind of plugged in somehow. And it was this feeling that everybody was busy, right? this feeling that everybody was busy. And also just it was kind of vibing with this energy from the school that everyone's doing these things, and there's all this force uh, pressure from the community to test and do well. And, and those things for me, they kind of 
feel very similar. There's some kind of a similarity between the pressures we feel from society, the expectations, the pace of things that's picking up, and also our internal feeling of stress. The fact that when we sit down to meditate, that stuff is still spinning around in our head, for instance. The fact that it's really hard for us to let go and to relax. The fact that it's almost impossible to find balance because everything around us is so out of balance that when we sit down and we try to stop, we kind of see all of the stuff still spinning around inside and feeling this pressure. And even, I think we've all seen this, but it's really interesting just because I like watching people. I've often seen when there's a group of people hanging out or they're outside and somebody has to answer a call or check their phone for something, the other person or the other people, they'll kind of just pull out their phones too. Not that they really have anything to do with their phones and they'll just kind of scroll through whatever just to also be... Uh, you know, as if it's so uncomfortable and unbearable just to be present these days, um, that, that people just become busy because it's something to do, because it's almost like smoking a cigarette, it's almost like a, a kind of a drug feeling, that it's filling some kind of a hole, that it's more and more painful just to be, that people have to be doing something in there instead. And we do that to ourselves, and we expect that from other people. We kind of pressure other people to do that, and we put pressure on ourselves to do that, and we expect others to do that. And also the whole thing about unclear boundaries. Like I said to the kids, if your parents are upset, that's actually their problem. If the parent is angry because their expectation's not being met, then maybe they need to look at their expectations. You're fine. You're a child. You shouldn't, you know. And the same kind of thing. If somebody calls and you don't answer your phone, and if they're mad at you, or if they send you something and you're not right on top of it, that's their problem if they're upset. You're allowed to have your space and your time to deal with things when you want. You're allowed to kind of be open to this. So a big part of being able to find balance in this world and being able to calm down and relax and is kind of with these themes of, of busyness and also knowing how to set boundaries for yourself in a healthy way, and maybe that even means, right, putting down the technology, putting down the work, putting things down, and really coming back and taking time for yourself when you need it. So in Buddhism, the Buddha, he spoke about the middle way. And when he spoke about the middle way, he said this is kind of the way to practice. And when he said the middle way, because he was a prince for a while, so he had all these worldly kind of possessions and all these things and pleasures, and he kind of saw this, this is great, but it's not really bringing me anywhere. So then he became a renunciate, and he became a really strict ascetic, and he you know, didn't eat for a long time, and was doing all these different practices, and he was hurting his body. And then he was also seeing, you know, this also isn't getting me anywhere. So then he started drinking milk and kind of eating slowly again, and all of his ascetic buddies were like, oh, you've given up, you're a hopeless case, get out of here. And then he went and sat under this tree and he found this kind of balance where he said, yeah, I mean, this body, as long as I inhabit it, I need to feed it, I need to take care of it. You know, I need to give it enough. I need to wear a robe. I need to wear something to keep it protected. I sit under a tree for shelter. I eat just enough food to keep my energy levels up. And when he found that kind of middle balance, then his mind was able to finally kind of go forward and attain this peace. And he got into these deep meditations and had these realizations because from a base point, he really saw that you need to have this balance, that you need to have enough, you need to have enough for your needs, but not in excess of things, and not to think that happiness or peace or liberation is found whether in indulging 
in pleasure or indulging in pain, thinking right. That if I really push myself, that's the answer. There was um, a teaching of the Buddha where he was walking and he saw there was a monk sitting up straight meditating in the night and then there was another monk that he came upon and this other monk was kind of falling asleep. He was sitting to meditate and he was kind of nodding off. And um, I think somebody maybe praised the one monk and blamed the other one. You know. And the Buddha said, actually that monk who's sitting up straight and really erect like this, you know, he's actually going to disrobe very shortly. And that monk who's nodding off and falling asleep, he's actually reaching the final steps of enlightenment. Because the monk who was acting really, he was straight, and he was, just, you know, he was putting all this pressure on himself to meditate a certain way, to be a certain way, to do a certain thing. To, he put these expectations on himself. So right, it's not like parents putting it on a kid. It's like he's putting it on myself. You should have a good meditation. You should be peaceful. You should be, you know, as we say, he was shooting all over himself, right? You should be doing this and that and that. So he was sitting up straight and really focused, you know. And what that eventually does is he would break, right? One of the monks that I knew in the monastery, Dhammadipa, he said to me, of all the monks that he's met, the Western monks he's met, the ones that have disrobed are either the ones that hold on to the monk life too tightly or the ones that hold on to it too loosely. He said, if you're too tight, you're going to break. If you're too loose, you're going to fall apart. Um, the Buddha said this in, a, in an analogy of a guitar, that if a guitar is too tight, it's out of tune. If it's too loose, it's out of tune. And it has to be that right balance of tight and loose that the guitar can make a proper sound, right? So finding that balance between trying, putting effort, being upright, but also really being easy, giving yourself a break, not being too forceful, especially with the meditative practice, it's super important to let go of all expectations. If we are trying to meditate, for instance and our mind is very busy. That means that all throughout the day, we have been jogging around in our mind. We've been doing all the stuff, we've been planning, we've been looking for things. We've been running around in our mind. So when you sit down, of course it's gonna keep going. If you stir a pot of water, even when you take out the spoon, the water's gonna keep moving around in a circle, right? So whatever you see in meditation, that's what's going on during the day. So if you wanna stop that stuff from spinning during meditation, during the day, you need to start practicing more presence, yeah? If you find in meditation that you're falling asleep, that you're tired, that means that you are tired. That means you're tired. That means you need to rest, yeah? If you guys sit down to meditate and you're falling asleep, that means you need sleep. That means that you're doing too much, that you need to be taking care of yourself. Maybe it means that your body is a little bit weak, right? Maybe it means you need to be doing something more sport, doing something that kind of builds you up a little bit. Right? Or maybe it means you've been pushing yourself too hard and you need to take it easy on yourself, you need to relax. Yeah? When I'm tired, I sleep. If I'm sitting down to meditate and I start nodding off, I let myself sleep. And actually sometimes when I come back from that sleep, I drop into a super deep meditation, which is really interesting. Sometimes I almost just need to touch that ground of sleep in the meditation and then my mind can come out and feel rested and refreshed. But above all, especially with meditation, it's important not to have any expectations about what this should be. Because meditation is not a result-based practice. It's the conditions that matter. So if you are pushing yourself, if you're striving, if you think that there's something that should be happening that you should be doing, if you're hard on yourself, if you want it to look a certain way, this is control. 
This is the, the inner control freak. That we want to have something. Our grasping. We want to have something a certain way for our ego. We want something to be like this for me. The whole point of meditation is to get away from that. If you bring the grasping into the meditation, you're going to find more of the same. Yeah, in Buddhism, there's something that's called the Four Noble Truths. So there's one truth, the truth of suffering. There is suffering. That suffering has an origin, that there's a beginning of suffering. And that beginning of suffering is the grasping. It's the, it's the ego wanting something for itself, believing that it is something that has something that needs something, right? There's an end to suffering, which is the practice. Yeah, and there's a way to that end, right? Which is what we're doing. This is the path that we're walking down. So one of my teachers, Acham Brahm, he said, you know, if you practice meditation, but you're bringing grasping into the meditation, he said, then you're practicing second noble truth meditation, meaning that you're practicing meditation with grasping, with the origin of suffering, creating more suffering for yourself because you want something to be a certain way, you want to change something, you're making things tight, making things difficult. The way to practice meditation, it's actually the opposite of that. The way to practice meditation is to be kind to yourself, to be relaxed, to let go of trying to make it any way, any specific way, and to really become soft in your own mind. So when I sit down to meditate, it's not like I sit down and I close my eyes and boom, I'm in like that super deep peaceful place. I sit down to meditate, yeah, and I breathe and I relax, and my mind kicks up, right? The thoughts kick up, or I'll feel a little bit drowsy or something will happen. And my response to that is to ignore it. I just sit and I smile and I wait. And the thoughts come and they go, and they come back and they go, and they come back and they go, and they come back and they go. And I continue just sitting, smiling, waiting, expecting nothing. The true meaning of patience is to wait without expecting a result to come. True patience means simply waiting and not expecting anything to happen. It's not patience if, you know, there's like a loud noise outside and you're waiting for that noise to end. I'm being patient, waiting for that noise to end. No, you're pissed off that there's a noise that's bothering you and you don't have any choice, so you're bearing it. In German, there's the word to duld, right? To duld, you're, you're, you're kind of, there's something that's happening that you don't really like, but you're kind of, you know, bearing it because it's okay. But that's not actual patience. That's not the actual meaning of patience, which is really to not have any expectation of anything happening. Just to completely be open, to be peaceful. That's why patience is a virtue, is because there's a peace to it. Yeah, patience and forbearance, although related, are not the same thing. Because in patience, there's no suffering. Patience is peace. So the way to meditate, it's actually to focus on the thing that you want. And you allow the mind to catch up to that place. Somebody in my talk last night, he said, for him, it's like he sits in front of a, a dryer and there's many white pieces of paper in the dryer and one black piece at the back. 
and he looks in the dryer and all the pieces of paper are spinning around, but there's the black one kind of in the back. And he just looks at the black piece at the back, even though there's all these white pieces floating up in front of his face, he just keeps his attention on the black piece behind it. And this is exactly how I practice as well. That I feel the space around me and I smile and I breathe and the thoughts come up, but I don't pay attention to the thoughts, I'm still focusing on the space, I'm still feeling the space around me. And the thoughts come up, things come up, Maybe you get irritated, maybe you get exhausted. All sorts of things will come up and you just sit and you just rest in the space around you. And all that stuff eventually starts to merge. That space starts to bleed into your mind because whatever you focus on, the way that the human mind works, whatever you focus on, that starts to get bigger. Yeah? Whatever you focus on, if you go to the movies, if you're watching TV, if you ever watch TV and then you're in it. Yeah, when you're watching TV, you're not seeing the whole room anymore. You're just seeing the TV. Yeah, when the archer has his bow and he's looking, they're not seeing all these things. They're just seeing the bullseye. They're just seeing the target. They're looking. They're fo the mind focuses in. Whatever the mind puts its attention on, it focuses. It microscopes in on that. It concentrates on that. It collects around that. So if you don't want to be thinking then don't focus on your thoughts. Yeah? If you don't want to be suffering, don't focus on your suffering. Focus on that which you want to become. Focus on that which you want to bring into the mind. And that's why I say I focus on the space around me because the space around me, the space is just sitting there. It's not going anywhere. So I sit and I feel the space and I smile and I breathe and all sorts of things come and go, come and go, but they're like guests in my house. They come and they leave and they come and they leave but the house is actually empty. And slowly you make, you make contact to the emptiness of that house, the space within that house. And that space is what starts to kind of overtake it. And then the guests, they try to come in the door, but the house is now already filled with space, of activated space. There's no room for those guests anymore, so they have to stay out. So eventually when you just stay present with the space, the mind only starts to pick up that space. Everything else falls into the background. Yeah, so the proper way to meditate, it's without expectation, without pushing, without trying, completely accepting where you are, how you feel, where you're at, what's going on. Whatever is going on inside of you and around you, completely accepting that, not trying to change that, not trying to do anything about it. You can understand it. You can understand, okay, I feel like this because this happened, right? I feel sad because somebody is sick. I feel stressed because of all these things to do. I understand myself, yeah, that makes sense. And then you can put it down. Okay, I understand me, right? And then you can lay that down and then you can just be present, yeah? And then feel the space, breathe, relax. And slowly that will kind of come in. Slowly that will become all that's happening inside. You'll become busy with peace. That peace will be completely occupying your mind. The space, the silence, it'll completely occupy your mind. And meditation, it, it's not something you can do. It's, um, I went to a teaching of the Dalai Lama once and he was saying how when light enters a room, the darkness has to leave the room. But when the light leaves the room, the darkness comes back. 
when heat enters a room, the cold has to go out of the room. But when heat leaves the room, it's again filled with cold. So the mind is actually the same way. That when your mind is filled with ego, with wanting, with grasping, with trying, the space inside of you is filled with tension, with pressure, with control, with will. When you let go of the will, when the ego rests, when you stop striving, when you stop wanting, that space starts to retreat and become filled with peace. So meditation, it's this letting go process on subtler and subtler and subtler levels. That it's not that we have to do something to get our minds relaxed. It's that we start to see the whole framework around our mind that's trying to get things to be different than they are. And that's what we have to slowly start peeling away. This feeling that happiness is not possible right now. This feeling that there's something wrong. Because the nature of our mind is peaceful. The nature of our minds is peaceful. Your mind is peaceful in its real nature. If your mind is not peaceful, that's because you have stuff piled up inside of there. So the actual practice, it's to slowly let go of those things. If you're sitting and you're trying to relax, you're trying to become peaceful, and it's kind of not working, you're kind of stressing out, and you think that there's something wrong, that you should be doing something else, actually the only thing is wrong is that you're trying to do something different. The only thing that's wrong is that you think that there's something else to do, that there's more to do. And you have to peel that back and say, okay, then you know what? I'm not even going to try to meditate. I'm going to throw meditation out the window and I'm just going to sit here and rest and smile. And sometimes that's like the biggest breakthrough meditators have is when they stop trying to meditate, when they give up and they're like, I'm hopeless, I'm a failure at life, so I might as well just give up now and just sit here. Suddenly they have the deepest meditation they've ever had because they're, they're, they're not trying anymore. Their, their willpower has let go. And so that space is now filled with peace. As light enters a space, darkness leaves. Yeah? Yeah? So as willpower, as ego, as grasping, as trying, as they leave, that space is filled with contentment by itself. Just naturally, that space becomes filled. So it's actually a process of understanding where am I still grasping? What am I still holding on to? What is it that thinks there's something else to do? And slowly deconstructing that, slowly letting those beliefs go those ideas go, and letting the natural peace just be there, letting, letting yourself be content. Were there any other questions that I didn't answer? Yeah. Um, you mentioned deep meditation. 
How does it feel? Amazing. I think the best description I heard is, again, this teacher, Achim Brahm, he said, it's like the Cheshire cat. It's like it smiles, and everything else disappears except for the smile. It's this total peace and contentment and this happiness, and everything else disappears. And that happiness and that contentment gets stronger and stronger and stronger that you can just sit for hours, hours. You just sit and you're just radiating this. It's just this deep, blissful peace. There's nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. You're just locked in. Because you've let go of everything else. You're not trying to attain anything. You've put the world aside. And you just allow yourself just to be. And it clicks in. clicks right in. I think because I've experienced it, that's part of my motivation in teaching meditation, actually. Because while I'm experiencing it, and even afterwards... The, the only thing that equals the, the intense beauty and kind of awe of experiencing it is the kind of pain that you know other people are not feeling this. I don't know if this is called compassion, but the feeling that this, if people could feel this, it would change everything. And this is the feeling that people have been looking for their whole lives. They just didn't know where to look for it. They've been looking for this contentment everywhere else. Everywhere else except just right here. Incredibly conscious. Super conscious. More conscious than you are right now. Because the mind, it's so filled with pleasure that it's completely gathered in the present moment and it just stays there. So you'll sit and it feels like you've been sitting there forever and also hours tick by like minutes. So my teacher, I met him when I was still in school, and he taught me meditation in college. And I was sitting just one night a week for 10, so like this. This is also this question, right? So I was sitting alone in my room every Wednesday night, either Wednesday or Thursday, once a week for 10 minutes. I would just sit once a week. That was it. And that was enough. That was enough to really start transforming everything for me. Um, so this is something, firstly, that I can suggest to you guys, saying that next class is the last class, that you find once a week that's your meditation, you put it in your schedule, if, if you're really serious about it, if you really want to continue with it. 
that one night a week is your night for you, that you meditate on this night, whatever that is. And just for 10 minutes, that's fine. Even if it's just 10 minutes, it's okay. Because kind of like yoga, it's like they say in yoga, just get on the mat. You know, in meditation, it's just get on the cushion. Like if you can sit down on the cushion, whether then you sit for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it doesn't really matter anymore. But it's just kind of getting yourself to sit is a big part. So yeah, that's simply how I started is that I did it, I did it once a week and it felt good. It felt really important. It felt that my mind was able to touch some kind of place of peace. And because it felt good, I wanted to do more of it, right? So I didn't do meditation as like a chore, right? It wasn't like something that I had to do. It wasn't this feeling like, oh, if I do meditation, then I get peace, right? So it's not like another thing that I'm using or exploiting to get something for myself. It wasn't this thing to get something from. It was simply that I could sit and relax and just be present with myself. And I just felt how valuable and powerful that was. So I just did more of it. And then I started meditating also. Maybe someday that I had free time, I would sit. Maybe if I was really having emotional, um, you know, something would come up emotionally, then I would go and sit. So I would really just start getting called to sit more and more when it felt like it mattered. Walking in nature, and I would just sit down somewhere in nature in the forest, you know, drop it. So there's many different ways into the meditation. I think somebody had, I think this is actually what you had talked about. Okay, so there's many ways in to meditate. Whatever starts to bring you more present in your body, more present with yourself, it's kind of the way in. But I only listen to music when I'm just trying to rest or relax. But for meditation, I do silence. Because then you're really in touch with the more subtle things inside of yourself. Also because already the world is so loud, where there's so much noise and distraction and people and things. We're always busy with, our senses are always going. So to give yourself that little time where you just stop, you just stop having to add stuff to make things okay. You know? It's just that one time where you just say, enough. It's enough, yeah? I can just sit here and breathe and that's enough, it's fine, yeah? And that's really kind of it, is that you start from that place and then you kind of sit and you just relax and you allow things to be and slowly it's like a, what is it, like a marinating process, right? Like if you marinate meat or something, it's like a marinating process. You sit and slowly the silence, slowly the spaciousness, slowly, it starts to slowly work itself deeper and deeper and deeper into your mind. Slowly it starts to bring you to a deeper place in the meditation. It's a slow process, it kind of comes in waves. You'll get deeper, you'll come out, you'll be in thoughts and stuff. You'll get deeper, you'll come out, you'll feel restless, like you want to move, like you're kind of out of it. Yeah, you kind of go through that, you again drop deeper. So it kind of, it comes in these waves, that it kind of come, you come out, you go in, you come out, you go in. And you just relax. You don't do anything. If you try to do anything, you'll come out. You just relax. You'll come out, okay. You're deep, wow, super deep. You're out, okay, I'm out. Then you go super deep, okay, I'm deep. 
and you just allow it to do its own thing, yeah, and then it'll pull you down. It'll pull you in, and it'll start to feel good, and the more that it feels good, the more naturally you'll sink into it, right? So the good feeling is your best friend, right? So it's not the structure of the meditation. It's not the expectations to meditate. It's that it should feel good. If you're not feeling good, you're doing it wrong. And by doing it wrong, I mean that you're trying too hard. You should literally sit and say to yourself, how can I make myself feel really good right now? What's the most relaxed thing I can do? How to completely relax my mind? Follow that peace. If you start to think about something that's making you stressed, no, wrong way. If you're trying to meditate, wrong way. If you're trying to push your thoughts away, wrong way. Yeah? It's really about sitting and relaxing. A thought comes up, what's the best thing I can do right now? Just relax more. Oh, okay, relax more. Yeah? Oh, but this isn't really working. Okay, thank you for your opinion, thought. Relax more. But I don't really, yeah, great, relax more. Oh, you have to do that thing later. Oh, yeah, that, yes, you do, relax. You know, whatever comes up, just you kind of disarm it by just not believing it, just letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. And eventually that space becomes your mind. Yeah, and that's kind of the entry point, so to say, into the deeper things. If you have to move your body, please move your body. Just do, your, do it slowly and mindfully. Yeah, if you're sitting and you have leg pain, don't be a jerk to yourself. Don't be mean to yourself and say, oh, you can't move, you're meditating. Love yourself, yeah. You're allowed to move, but move slowly. But you will be out. If you don't move, you're going to be out anyway. You're going to be fighting. If you feel pain and you need to shift, you slowly bring your awareness to your body. You slowly shift your position. And you slowly drop back in. Yeah, so if during the meditation you have to move it all, just do it slowly and mindfully, and your mind will be able to sink right back in afterwards. However, you can sit comfortably without having to move. Okay, so I think we're going to meditate. And I think we will do a little bit longer of a meditation. So I ask you all to really make sure that you're sitting in a way that you feel comfortable. And again, if you feel like you need a chair, Please don't hesitate to grab a chair. You do not lose meditation points for having to sit in a chair. You don't get a gold star from me at the end of class. So if you need a chair, please do that for yourself. If you need anything, please give it to yourself. Yeah. And we're going to sit today a little bit longer, and this is really to face yourself, to allow yourself to get deeper, to allow stuff to come up, and to really just relax and go through it, see what it means to be kind to yourself. Yeah, if at any point you're in excruciating pain and you can't take it anymore and it's too much, then I say to you, okay, then just slowly and gently lay down. 
If you've reached your absolute limit for it, then just lay down. No problem. Yeah? And if possible, really just see if you could stay in it and see, yeah, just what happens. Make an experience. So as normal, I'll guide the meditation. I'll guide us in. And just slowly start to get ready.